Blog Talk Radio. Sure, you're healthy now, but health insurance isn't about now. It's about being covered for the unexpected. When an accident or injury happens, the last thing you should worry about is how to pay for your health care. GetCovered.nj.gov can help you find an affordable plan that's right for you. You may even be eligible for financial assistance. But remember, open enrollment ends December 15th. So visit getcovered.nj.gov and find a health plan that keeps you covered, no matter what life throws at you. Blog Talk Radio. This is a product of Purpose Kingdom Network, and this is the show Self Expressions, and I am your host, Brother Robert Pop Pop Hudson. Oh, man, am I great to be, I am grateful and I am happy to be sharing, uh, you know, with you tonight, and uh, thank you for allowing me to uh, give you a moment of your time, and, uh, you know, and, you know, first of all, I'd like to thank everybody, whether you're joining us online or via phone, and, uh, we are joining us for the 784th episode of Purpose Camp Network. I thank you, and, uh, you know, I thank you so much uh, for joining us tonight. And uh, tonight, uh, let me just go quickly into my topic, and my topic tonight is my best meal ever. And I'm going to discuss my meal ever that I had, and also I'm going to go uh, biblically, um, so I'm going to let you know what we're reading tonight. And we're going to go deeply into uh, Chapter Luke. Uh, I mean, uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 35 through 50. And um, so first I'll go in to describe my best meal ever. And before I do that, I'll just go ahead and give you the setup and then we'll just get into it. But uh, biblically speaking, uh, chapter Luke, I mean, uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 35 through 50, um, basically that is, uh, you know, I know um, everybody says, well, what is the best meal that, Jesus had, and, you know, uh, a lot of people come to mind with the Last Supper, but what comes to mind how Jesus, you know, turned, you know, turned the tables on uh, a lot of people at a lot of different times. And one of the times uh, that he, he did so was when, uh, you know, there were a group of people that thought that they could, uh, you know, take advantage of just his statue, his stature. And just say, hey, you know, uh, we had Jesus do the same. And I'll, I'll go back into that setup later, you know, later on. But right now, you know, getting to the setup of, uh, you know, the best meal I ever had. And, you know, now I know a lot of people uh, probably got a good vibe of me. And one of the things I like is, you know, in my life is I like uh, calm resolution. I also like uh, some humor in it. And so, you know, in time, I'm going to describe to you uh, this meal I had with a, you know, a friend of mine, and it was unusual circumstances. And one of the things that I would like to, you know, express that, um, even though I'm going to talk about a county that I had, well, a little city I went to, uh, right now, necessarily, you know, things change, people change, and sometimes the the nature, fire, the you know, the nurture of things, things change. But at the time, and at this time, uh, this is what happened to me and my friend. So, you know, just starting off, um, 
I was about 13, and I had a summer job at uh, the Bluebell Country Club. And the job we had there, um, I know I have in my notes that I won't go in there uh, about, you know, uh, the the duties and stuff like that. But real quickly, I will go into it that uh, this was uh, a, a very prestigious country club. Uh, it was a golf club. And what we would do is we would do a lot of the menial tasks that uh, – a lot of people didn't want to do, but we had to do the task and we had to make sure that we weren't being seen by the patrons in there. And, uh, we had to make sure that, uh, we were very, very quick about our job where we would, you know, tidy up and clean, uh, dining areas and things of that nature. And, you know, on the last day, me and my friend, you know, um, and I'll never forget him. He was my, uh, you know, a good friend of mine. His name was Malcolm Jefferson. And we decided to go to one of, you know, on our last day, we were going to go to one of the, um, the luncheon diners in the area. It was a you know a place called the Bluebell Diner, and if you ever seen the show Alice, um, you know she worked at a place called Mel's Diner, and this place looked you know just like it inside and out you know, uh, and after we you know we entered the, that, that this diner, you know it, it you know we took our seats we kind of noticed that you know this diner might not be the you know fine of um, you know black people. You know, one of the tips that we got was, you know, the waitress after taking, you know, our order and then, you know, demanding um, after we placed our orders uh, that we pay for our order. And, uh, you know, we, you know, like I said, we're young guys, and but, you know, we weren't happy about, you know, having to pay before we even got our meal. And um, now, you know, after, you know, the, the waitress walked away, we were – and we both had that look on our eyes like, I know you're thinking something, I'm thinking something. And the first thing out of, uh, you know, my friend Malcolm's mouth was, um, you know, uh, I'm not happy about the situation and we already paid for our food. And, uh, you know, right now I'm just thinking about seeing if we can do something without uh, getting lynched or thrown in jail. So, uh, you know, after we you know, started looking around and, you know, we were twiddling uh, – you know, our, our, our utensils in the napkin that we had. Uh, we just was looking around, and we were looking around at the people, and we were looking at the, you know, the people who were sitting there. You know, we seen a, you know, a gentleman, you know, with his uh, wife or uh, his, you know, girlfriend or whatever, and they, she, they had two kids. You know, they were bouncing around in the chairs, and then we seen people that were, you know, looking at newspapers, and then we seen people that was pretty much glancing at us, like, you know, what are they doing there? And um, after this carefully observing what was around us, we seen a jukebox. And uh, like I said, this is around 1983, 84, and I'm not sure if you know what a jukebox is, but a jukebox is, you know, uh, you put a dollar in, you get a couple plays of music. And uh, so we uh, decided to walk over to the jukebox while we were waiting for our food, and we walked over to the jukebox, and uh, we were looking, and we started whispering to each other, and we was like, hey, wouldn't it be nice to play a bunch of rap songs in this place, you know, live in the joint up? And, uh, you know, we agreed. And uh, we looked at, you know, the the menu selection that says three plays for a dollar. So uh, we looked, and we were looking for, uh, you know, at that, that time, Run DMC, L, Cool J, Eric Green Rockin', whatever. Uh, any nice rap would have done in that place. Uh, as we were looking at the selections, we noticed that um, we forgot we were Bluebell. Uh, there were no rap selections in the jukebox at all. 
So uh, we were about to walk away, and then all of a sudden we just almost simultaneously came up with this notion. We said, hey, let's just take a look at this playlist again. Let's see what we have. So as we started going through everything, we were looking for something uh, maybe uh, antiquated like Elvis Presley. We didn't see that. So finally we just, I just seen, and I said, hey, you know what? There's a song right here. It was uh, Queen, Another One Bites With Us, extended version. So I immediately put a dollar in, and I pushed three straight plays of Queen's Another One Bites With Us. Then I uh, asked my friend, did he have another dollar? And he gave me a dollar, and I put that in there, and I pushed three more. Queens, another one bites the dust. And then finally, after digging around, I had four quarters, and I was about to press Queens, another one bites the dust extended version until my friend Malcolm says, hey, let's just have a seat and wait for our food. When I turned away to go and, um, you know, go sit down and wait for our food, I didn't know my friend Malcolm was a total genius. Not explain that to you. So Queens, another one bites the dust. Extended version. If you hear it about four times, you think, "Wow, uh, I probably heard another one bites the dust two times." But this is the long version because the way the extended version goes is that as, as the beat goes off, you don't know when the uh, next song comes in. So as we were waiting and. Um, I'm not sure how many times it played, but when we got our food, we were looking around, and it looked like people were agitated. And as we were eating, we were thinking, yeah, I think we got them. And then finally, play of, well, I think it was about the fifth play of Another One Bites the Dust. All of a sudden, my friend taps me and says, hey, watch this. So all of a sudden, as the music calms down and everybody takes a big breath, then all of a sudden, Survivor's song comes on with Eye of the Tiger. All of a sudden, it looked like everybody took a whole big sign of relief and says, oh, wow, Woo, it's all time. I am tired of hearing another one bites the dust. And, you know, at that time, you know, as he tapped me, he told me, he says, hey, wait until after this is over. And I said, okay. So we're listening, we're listening, we're listening, and we're looking. And as, you know, you know, the eye of the tiger it starts to end, all of a sudden you hear the beginning of Queens, another one bites the dust. And I'll never forget this. Because the guy that was sitting over across from us, he had the small children. He just looks and he just stands straight up like he couldn't take it anymore. All of a sudden, the guy at the counter that had the newspaper, he slams both fists on the counter and says, damn it. And then there was another guy that was sitting across the way from us. And it looked like he just got his first 30 dates. Uh, his, his chip from his first 
30 days of anger management, and he just gets up and he just grabs his coat and hat and he just storms out of the diner. And right then and there, you know, a, a smile crept in my face. And, you know, as me and my friend finished the meal, and uh, as we were, you know, getting ready to walk out, we were putting on a coat and hat, uh, we heard everybody ask, uh, everybody but us, uh, did you play anything in the jukebox? Are you, are you playing music in the jukebox? And as we walked out and, you know, it's glass all around and I see the uh, either the, the diner manager or the owner walking over to the jukebox and he's pulling that plug out. And me and my friend Malcolm, we just bust out laughing. I mean, it was... You know, as far as, you know, like I said, it wasn't a measure of revenge, but it was just, you know, uh, a measure of enjoyment because, you know, as uncomfortable we felt there, uh, we felt, you know, a, a sign of relief to, you know, to, to feel as though that these people here, you know, no matter what prejudice they had against us, and the only thing we did was sh- we showed up as patrons. And, you know, they had the nerve to, you know, treat us as second-class citizens, even though we were underage, we were 13 years old. But still, you know, we had the mannerism. Um, you know, the, the summer school program was selected us to go to that Bluebell Country Club. Uh, they knew that was a very prestigious uh, place, you know, to work at. Um, for them, you know, choosing us to work there, um, I know they knew that we had, the you know, the proper decorum and, and things like that, you know, to, you know, travel, you know, travel ways, you know, we put SEPTA, which is, uh, you know, the local service that, you know, travels people, you know, that we can travel. And um, I just felt as though uh, it was fitting for, you know, what happened that day. You know, and it seemed to be, you know, 11 is a number where uh, how many times you can hear Queens, another one bites the dust without going crazy. I think we drove them a little crazy, and um, you know I know uh, as far as you know uh, being you know a person right now you know the way I sit and I know that you know hey it was a little bit of uh, uh, juvenile for us to do that but we were juveniles but I you know I do feel as though that um, at some point in my young life I felt a level of comfort where is though you know instead of being confrontational you know against adults where you know that uh, at that, you know, at that age, you should not be confrontational against adults. But we found a way to, you know, alleviate ourselves uh, with, you know, through comedy and also through, you know, uh, good mannerism because, uh, you know, as I got older, if it was, if I was to step into a place like that and some of the things that were demanded on us, you know, I would just say, hey, I'd rather not do business with you. You would not get dollar one from you. But, you know, you live and you learn. And so let me just uh, go to, you know, biblically speaking of, uh, you know, one of the, the meals that Jesus attended. And it was, you know, like I said, what we're reading is Luke chapter 7, verse 35 to 50. And uh, unlike my meal, you know, this is Jesus and I'm going to uh, go ahead and open my Bible because I would like to uh, to read the scripture. And we're going to go into verse 35. 
It says, but love your enemies. Do good and lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. Shake up together, and running over. Will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Mm. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fail into, fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes but do not I'm sorry. Uh very sorry. I am um I'm reading from chapter six. I'm at the start of chapter seven and we're gonna do chapter seven thirty five. Uh, but we just bust out for the words that was read written just now, uh read just now. Alright, so but wisdom is justified by all her her children. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table at the table in the Pharisee's house brought in a flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. But Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There is a certain creditor who has two, de- two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of these would love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said unto him, to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which one many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven? The same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And, the, and those who sat at the table with him began to say 
to themselves, who is this who ever forgives sin? Then he said to the woman, your faith has served you. Go in peace. Amen. We bless God for that that scripture. And that was uh, Luke 7, verse 35 to 50. And, you know, uh, what I read into uh, read into that, and it was basically the facilitator that intrigued me, which was uh, the Pharisee Simon. Now, Simon, uh, you know, among the Pharisees, he, you know, how uh, you have, you know, amongst you, you know, a little clique or whatever, and then there are people that, you know, are, are trying to, you know, ex- you know, exceed or, or stand out more than the others. Now, Simon was somebody that wasn't pretty much a good uh, a judge of character from the start. You know, he would realize that, you know, Jesus was more than, you know, what he thought he was. And but, but Simon was, like, like I said, as far as, you know, the other Pharisees were concerned, he was a good judge of character. So as far as fellow Pharisees were concerned, Simon's ability to judge character was a little, you know, uh, I guess uh, lacking in that he had to invite, you know, pretty much Jesus to dinner. And, you know, after all, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that Jesus was sitting with a table of tax collectors. So it didn't take much to see that Jesus really wasn't the sort of character that ran, the, you know, the Pharisees' uh, clique. So, you know, the supper, you know, promised to be interesting is nothing more so that the Pharisees, you know, they can say, hey, you know, we, we ate with Jesus, you know, at uh, the Pharisees' Simon's table. So imagine, so I pretty much can imagine that Simon was, you know, probably, you know, uh, at that point tolerated by the other Pharisees, not because of, you know, he had a high moral standard, but rather because he was, uh, you know, who was uh, what they seemed in their eyes a morally, you know, upright man. And, you know, he, you know, and he had a lot of flaws. He couldn't recite the Torah. Uh, he couldn't throw, you know, but he could throw a nice, you know, dinner party. And it wasn't, you know, and for sometimes, no matter what elaborate, and this is the most elaborate he can come up with, uh, most of the times it was that after the dinner or whatever party he threw, uh, it didn't really cover, you know, a lot of his weaknesses. So occasionally Simon the Pharisees would do something a little, you know, embarrassing, like uh, posing a question that would be rather embarrassing to his guests or whoever he had or, or whoever he was supposed to honor. So um, one of the things that he, you know, he totally neglected that, he would say, well, uh, before, you know, this dinner came about that uh, Jesus uh, might not be a prophet, but he may be someone along the lines of, uh, say, uh, Abraham or, or Moses, but maybe in a lesser degree. And, you know, one of the things that uh, – Simon the, the Pharisees he did was his line of company, and most of the time he would spend time with unsavory people like you know uh, publicans and lepers. But you know the Pharisees still accepted him as a good moral man. Nothing you know could be more you know uh, repugnant to the you know the Pharisees than to sort of come into contact with a person that might you know render them you know unclean. And so um, no matter how humiliating 
it was for them to imagine, you know, it would be like being seen offering sacrifices or to be made, you know, clean once more. The Pharisees prided themselves on their immaculate behavior. And, you know, the Pharisee Simon was actually demonstrating uh, behavior that they were starting not to like. So it was like no matter how good a party this guy threw or no matter how, how many, you know, how famous he was or, how cool he seemed to other people, uh, they were starting to get irked by him. And uh, so one of the things that, you know, uh, Simon the Pharisees, thinking that he would be relieved that if Jesus would be, you know, uh, a natural oversight and, you know, as far as him, you know, asking him to dinner, and one of the things that he was thinking was, like, when Jesus comes, you know, the other Pharisees would come, and if he came with them, you know, one of the things that he would do is he would, you know, greet people, and he would say, well, um, if he didn't greet him, if he didn't embrace him and kiss him on the hand or cheek, as was the custom of, you know, that day, you know, fortunately Jesus had simply made, you know, basically found his, his when he came in, he basically um, had simply just made his way to the table and found a place and, you know, decided to recline without the need for, you know, human contact. And while Jesus seemed to be a righteous man, there was no way of knowing whether he might have come into contact with an unclean person or, you know, rendered himself unclean on the way to Simon's house. So, you know, one of the other things that Simon failed to realize is that we see that, you know, Simon referenced to Jesus as teacher, you know, that sounds as if, the, you know, to the Pharisees as, as were, you know, to accept the popular demand that, you know, um, and what they would, would say is, uh, you know, instead of, you know, they say, you normally say teacher, and that day they would say rabbi, a spiritual teacher to the people. And with this in mind, Simon had ensured that he checked and double-checked for proper, you know, dinner etiquette. So surely he had, uh, you know, he scored the house for, you know, 11, which he knew he, he would have found because he never allowed any in the first place. You know, the proper bowl for ceremony and hand washing was set out and the table was spread with, you know, only foods that would have been clearly certified by the law and the prophets as being clean and acceptable. So handing, so handling everything, so far Simon, uh, as usual, Simon the Pharisees was doing bad. So hanging on the wall was Simon's, you know, um, own pedigree, uh, you know, in, in genealogy. And basically he was just trying to let her, you know, and basically to cover all bases, uh, especially with Jesus coming there. He wanted to make sure that Jesus knew that he was a descendant of Abraham, which, you know, he wanted to make sure that not only was he a Pharisee, but he was a member of God's holy people. So perhaps a copy of, you know, basically uh all his genealogy, you know, everything a, a, a rabbi will be looking for, you know, to find, it was in Simon's house. It was in Simon the Pharisee's house. And the reason why he did that was because, you know, uh, as him uh, being a Pharisee, really he was looking for a way where he can play both sides of the fence. So finally, you know, it's evident that Simon – you know, he entertained the idea that Jesus might actually be a prophet. And this was the word basically on the street. You know, um, and like I said, he knew that, you know, maybe Jesus 
had were, were slightly under like the prophets of, of, of Moses or Elijah. Uh, basically, he was just saying that uh, well, he may be a, a lesser messenger sent from God. So, in the midst of, of, of his silent thoughts about Jesus' identity, that's when Simon, uh, while thinking and still trying to plot and try to see how he can maneuver himself in a way where he can look favorable always. And when I say always, I mean, he basically was, as far as somebody you say, how can you play the fence down the line? The Pharisee Simon played everything almost down the line, except for he forgot he was distracted. And that's when everything started to fall apart for him, where he had to actually address really what he actually thought. And that's when a woman, uh, you know, she, you know, at the doorway, and basically, you know, going through the scripture, it doesn't exactly say exactly what came about or how did she get by the doors to get to Jesus. But what we know is that she came bearing a precious gift. It was a flask filled with costly perfume. It seemed entirely likely that this flask, you know, some of the entire, an entire wealth of what this woman has accumulated. You know, perfume in those, in those days were rare and costly, and the finest sort was, like, really used. This flask represented not only her entire, entire earthly possessions, but her worldly past. The terms used of her twice in this passage, you know, in the passage that we, you know, we read, identify her as a notorious sinner, one who was especially wicked. But that's by the words of men. You know, how has she become such a notorious sinner? You know, this term was reserved most exclusively in the case of women. For those who play, you know, you know, the whore, you know, the home records who for, you know, price would prostitute themselves. You know, how does this, you know, this person become such a hated profession when it seems like uh, almost everybody practices it? Again, the scriptures, you know, is silent on that part. Was she a prostitute of necessity? Uh, an orphan or a widow or, you know, has she turned to being a prostitute to survive? You know, perhaps she was sold into prostitution, you know. And at the time, you know, they had slaves, so it could have been a slave owner who uh, saw a better way to make, you know, a profit and says, hey, perhaps she was, you know, abused all her life and, you know, hungry and, you know, I might as well just go ahead and, uh, hey, I made my money and just sell it to somebody else. And, you know, sometimes after you, you know, play a role, sometimes you believe that's the role you should play until uh, somebody brings something to life. Uh, I like, you know, there you go, Jesus. Thank you so much. Uh, most likely there was, a, you know, a combination of things that brought her, you know, to this place. But scripture is clear that she was not an innocent victim of sin, but a willing participant. You know, would her life have been like, you know, a woman like uh, this would have been, you know, you know, carrying on with, you know, gentlemen, you know, callers, you know, although, you know, none of it rightly called, a, you know, a gentleman if, you know, I guess if, if you would call her a lady or if you call her, uh, you know, a miss or something, you know, nice, uh, you would be looked at as being unsavory and, and thinking like you, you uh, were, would, uh, you know, 
likely to participate in her endeavors, you know, it seems evident that she had both, you know, beauty and some degree of, you know, wealth, you know, uh, not a lot of riches, but enough for her to live comfortably. Yet it seemed almost certain that she was, um, as far as uh, anybody of statue, uh, untouchable, as far as uh, where though you would want to be seen with her. And, you know, when, when was the last time anyone, you know, seen her, like, like see her, see her besides her being a whore or Harriet or, you know, a prostitute? Um, no one knows. You know, these Pharisees saw only a notorious sinner. You know, her beauty had, or in her wealth, had nothing to do with her identity. Uh, maybe, you know, when when she met Jesus, you know, he was different from every man that she met before. Perhaps it had been at that very day in the midst of a crowd that she saw him, and she was convinced that she, that, you know, maybe that this man, this is the only man actually seen me, not as a sinner, not as a prostitute, not as a whore, but really seen her, you know, and she probably seen in his, the way he looked at her, that he did not look at her as a sexual object or as an object of that's worthless because so many men have slept with her, but he actually looked at her as a woman that she was. And he, you know, truly, you know, as far as, you know, um, you know, the nurturement of our, of our father, you know, I know we had that of a mother, but when you had the nurturement of a father and you had the father looking in your eyes, you know, and even though it was Jesus, you know, when you had the father looking in your eyes, you know, you had to understand and you had the, the look of a father's uh, pleasing eyes at you, of course, you know, uh, you can all of a sudden grab and, and, and get yourself together. Where you, Even though you say, hey, you know what, I am at this place right now, but this is how my father sees me in his eyes. So, you know, the, the words you said, you know, it, you know, it, it burns in her heart, and she believed him. And, and strangely, she felt that already her life was changed. She knew her life was as the war was over. She could never go back to being, you know, a prostitute, not after having been truly seen. When she heard that he was dining at Simon the Pharisees, she was determined to see him, to present him a gift of gratitude, to speak for a moment with him. The gift she brought was, as she had, it was – uh, of great cost in the world, but seemed meager in comparison to the value of the gift that she had received when she believed his words. How could a whore dwelling on the outskirts of hell say thank you to one who, invent, who, who invited her to enter the kingdom of heaven? What did she mean to do that night? Did she intend to anoint his head with the costly ointment? Did she hope to look into his face and see if his eyes could really see her? Did she intend to fall at his feet or just where she ended up? Is that just where she ended up? Did she plan what would happen when she got to him, or did she just plan to get to him? Did she recognize any of the other faces that would be accusing of her, especially Simon the Pharisees? With all the courage she could muster, she brushed through the, the curtain in the doorway and rushed towards Jesus shutting out the other faces, eyes focused on one another who's back to her. Her heart had to been pounding, her mouth had to been dry, her knees buckling, and tears coming all over. 
and um, you know all sorts of emotions, you know. And boy, you you can imagine what kind of tears this woman cried. And I'm quite sure she was aware of the fact that, you know, she was, uh, you know, especially when you're you're, you're really crying. When you got a face full of tears, you know they're falling from your face, start falling on the feet of Jesus. You know, each one traced a little river through, you know, the dust. You know, and and when tears starts coming down, you know, I I know some tears fell on his feet, but some had to fall on the ground. When when you hear when, you, when like raindrops when it hits dry dust, you know, it pops up and then, you know, a little bit of the the moisture, a little bit of abrasion of mud will probably pop up on his feet. And so I'm quite sure that she realized that uh, she was staying at his feet. And that's what probably made her, you know, uh, as she realized the tears were coming down her eyes. You know, and her hair was pinned up because, you know, she knows that everybody sees her as a whore, but she was trying to make herself somewhat presentable because she was there to, to try to meet Jesus and I guess in some kind of capacity, you know, interact with him. And... As her hair came free, she started wiping the mud and the tears away from his feet. You know, no words came from her, but she showed a, a great sign of gratitude as she kissed his feet. All the while, the tears still falling. You know, remember herself, you know, she, she broke, you know, opened a bottle of ointment and poured it on his feet. You know, and this was... A, a great deal of uh, money spent on his fragrance because when she put on his feet, uh, everyone smelled it. So this wasn't something cheap or something she just, you know, decided to say, hey, you know what, uh, let me just get a, a bottle of this perfume ointment. And, uh, you know, she decided to say, hey, you know what, uh, I'm going to make sure that I get, you know, the best that I can afford and you know, right now I'm just gonna—I'll take a little break. Uh, I see we do have a caller. Uh, let me just go ahead and uh, let's bring this bring this caller on, and then uh, we'll go ahead and continue on with the broadcast real quick. Uh, how you doing, caller? Uh, this is Brother Rob. Well, how you doing tonight, Brother Rob? I, I I know exactly who you are. This is Oladele Ngozi. Hey, hey, how you doing, Brother? How are you? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Well, for the first time, I got a chance to finally call on the Purpose Kingdom Network uh, and be able to relax. You know, I don't do, I don't do any shows on the weekends, but it's it's, it's really nice to to, to hear you uh, so comfortable. Um, you know, you, the story, you know, you know that alabaster box. You know, what I mean, it's 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 refreshing to see someone humble themselves enough, and that's what you know we lose in the in the, in, in this life. That no matter what goes on, no matter you know in life, whatever kind you know conversations or or things that happen, that you know the good book says we have to sometimes humble ourselves for the greater good. And she was able to she wanted to, she wanted to see Christ so much, and she wanted to be near him that she wanted to pay homage to him enough to say you know what this is the best I have this is all I have this is the best I have, and I'm gonna give my best and. That is something that I really believe that people need to do, um, no matter what you do. Like, you know, Dr. King talked about yes. many times, you know, about the street sweeper. If, you know, if you want, you know, sweet, you know, sweet streets like Picasso did paintings. 
and there goes, you know, it said, you know, there lies a great, you know, street sweeper. That no matter how big you get, you know, you always have to work hard just like, you know, just, just even in radio. You know, you have to work hard just like you just did your first show. And, right. and always have the love for it. You know, I had a chance to speak to uh, Chaplain Tordaley uh, a few days ago. And just to have, like I said, the appreciation of, of just, uh, we're alive no matter what's going on. We're, you know, the greatest gift that, that God gives us is our life. You know, it's not about what happens in the past. It's about what we do today and what we do tomorrow. And, and the good book tells you that tomorrow is not promised. So all we care about, the, right. you know, the affairs of today. So I just want to come on and at least, you know, share, share my voice to the archive. And um, I'm definitely enjoying the show. Uh, like, I said, one, like I said, once again, you, your, your comfortability on the mic is wonderful. I can hear it. Um, you know how my ear is. I, I can hear it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when you when you when you're doing things that excuse me, let me uh, mute. Uh, when you when you're doing things that are um, excuse me, I'm so sorry. When you're doing things no, that's that fine, that's fine. are 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 pleasable to God, you know those are things that you you see how Purpose Kingdom has lasted since 2016 to this night. Why? Because I you know the great preparation. Of shows, and I don't get a chance to call. I don't always want to just press star one or whatever you do here, or press one and come on. <laughs> Sometimes I like to listen, listen. Right. and I've listened to many episodes. Um, Arthur Birch is one of my favorites. Uh, but um, when you when you have the the opportunity to just be able to to really bless people, you know, with uh, outstanding programming, you never know who you touch. That's one thing I, I do. You know what I do. As I let my, my hosts know that we're here, we're here to save lives. Every show that we do is not a lot of foolishness. You know, we're here to save lives. You know, we, I just want to share something. We had a caller calling to one of our shows. Um, I'll just mention that you know Brother Hooney, and we will aware you. And the young lady is 13 years old. And so, you know, Hooney is all about the betterment of, of all people, definitely Melanite people. And... A lot of times her mother doesn't always understand what's going on, so she'll, she might listen. But you're talking about a 13-year-old that looks forward to a show every other week to, go, you know, to be in her living room, listen to the radio, and get knowledge. Wow. Imagine how many people that you really affect. Yes, they're you know, get numbers, wonderful. But there's that one person that might want to commit suicide, that one person that you know, might have just gave it up. No, you know what? I'm not gonna live right anymore. It doesn't work for me. You know, there's a topic I saw. You know, what I mean, you know, by faith we're good. We're good by faith. I love that topic. Right, right. By faith, right, by, right. By, by, by faith we good. Hey, so hey, brother, a oh, time, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit up against it, but you know, um, okay. nice talking to you. And hey, we'll, we'll talk again. You know, thanks so much for calling in. Thanks so much. I appreciate you guys, man. Good night. All right. And I got another caller. I'm going to bring my caller in real quick, and then we're going to the call of salvation. And um, I think I know who this is. Hey, what up, what up, what up? <laughs> good evening, good evening, good evening. What up, what up, what up? 
I just was, I on? came on. You say what's going on? Yeah. Everything. God is God is I definitely bet. awesome. Um, right Amen. now, it, it's the time in the show where we do something that is called the call of salvation. Um, That's right. But sometimes the saving of something, you know, it's got to be the blood. It's got to be the blood. You know, sometimes Amen. you've gone far, and it's got to be the blood. You know, so the song says, oh, the blood, oh, the blood of Jesus. You know, and sometimes you have to just put the blood of Jesus on everything. Just throw it out there. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And then when you realize that the blood of Jesus is holding you and keeping you, you know, you can go through situations and come out on top. You can actually go through the situation and be on the bottom. You know, um, just like uh, Lonnie was just on and uh, he was saying something about... um, Right, about the the girl waiting for a show to come on. It's great when the show comes on. You know, that's why Purpose Kingdom Network is uh, we allow you to say this little simple prayer, and, you know, it actually becomes your choice after that. You know, if you, you right. just say, God, I'm a sinner. I need help. Mm. There's nothing else that I can do. But call on your name. I know you love me because the things that I go through, I wouldn't go through without you. And because of you and your love for me, I can be free today, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what's going on, and you can be free. That's what the salvation of the Lord. That's what the blood. I just wanted to come and plead the blood. I needed to plead the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood, the Hallelujah. blood. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, eh? You know what I mean? And that's the call of salvation. And that's, it's pretty simple, you know. And, and thank you, Sister Adrian, for providing us for the call of salvation tonight. And, you know, there is no wrong or right way to do it. And it is like you said. And, and, and tell them what you said again. Tell them in case they didn't understand. Tell them again, eh? You just let them know that you're a sinner and you want to change your ways. You want to turn over a new life, a lease of life. You know, you, you want to, you, you just want to turn it over. You know, you, you tried it your way. Give it up to him. You know, and thank you so much for uh, Sister Adrian Allen. Um, Sister Adrian Misunderstandings Allen. And uh, she's from D Block Church. Thanks so much. Uh, Sister Adrian, for helping me out tonight. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, whether you're calling, you know, via phone or Internet, uh, if you want to call in the show, uh, phone number call in is 319-527-6091, and you just simply hit 1 if you want to talk. And, uh, like I said, uh, I'm all open for everybody uh, to call in if you want and comment. Uh, Just simply hit 1. And before I get back to the the programming, uh, I'm just going to do the announcements. Uh, this is a product of Purpose Kingdom Network, and we thank everybody for joining us. Whether you, you know, like I said again, whether you join us online or via phone, we very, very much appreciate you know your listenership here at Purpose Kingdom Network. 
And we thank you so much. If you want to correspond with us here via email, you can go correspond with us at purposecleanupnet at gmail.com, or you can see your comments, questions, concerns. You can simply say hello or send a prayer request. We uh, gladly accept that. Also, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter at purpose underscore kingdom. And we thank you for that also. Uh, and, and you know, you can like us on Facebook at Purpose Kingdom where you can see some of the many avenues that we have to, uh, you know, uh, provide our broadcast. Uh, not only here at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. Uh, also, you can go on Anchor. Uh, you can go on uh, anywhere where they have uh, any of the major podcasts uh, broadcasting. You can go on LinkedIn and, and uh, iTunes where you can uh, hear our broadcast. And um, whatever avenue or whatever, you know, um, it, you know, you express to uh, go ahead and uh, listen to our shows, we greatly appreciate that, and we thank you so much for that. And, uh, we uh, thank you for your continued support. And with God's will and God's blessing, um, tomorrow evening uh, we have uh, our very own, um, we have uh, we have uh, evangelist Trina Lindsay Harrison, and she's going to be here with a little talk with Jesus, and that's going to be at the 8 p.m. hour. And with God's will and God's blessing, we hope you join us tomorrow evening at the 8 p.m. hour for a little talk with Jesus with uh our very own evangelist, Trina Lindsay Harrison. And uh, we thank you so much. So we're going to go ahead and uh, get back to our broadcast. And um, we were talking about, we were talking about um, the Pharisee Simon, how he thought it would be good to uh, invite Jesus. And, um, you know, Jesus, you know, his, his first, uh, I, I would say, his first clue that the woman was, you know, the Pharisee seemed to, to, you know, to, you know, he recoiled and he looked as if he had saw a rat, you know, basically that's how I can just uh, probably be, you know, basically paint, you know, what was happening. And suddenly, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's making these faces and he's just looking like he's disgusted. And then suddenly, you know, Jesus was just, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, and all of a sudden he felt tears on his feet, and he heard a woman sobbing. You know, at this point, you know, Simon was not, well, he, he was always known not to be a good judge of character. And, you know, thinking that, you know, Jesus, about Jesus' identity and that, you know, uh, suddenly it settled on him that Jesus was, you know, wasn't a teacher, he wasn't a rabbi, but Jesus was much more than that. And he, you know, and all of a sudden he allowed, he's looking at Jesus and he, he he's looking at Jesus as Jesus. But then as he realized he's Jesus, he's thinking to himself, he just allowed this notorious sinner to touch him. You know, and she not only entered the house, she did not go through the, the ceremony. So, she was ceremoniously unclean. And even now, you know, he's looking at Jesus and he says nothing. And he's thinking that, you know, maybe Jesus is about to say something. And then just then Jesus looks at Simon the Pharisees and he says, I have something to tell you. All of a sudden, you know, everybody at the dinner party, and somebody, you know, it was like, hey, 
looks like, uh, you know, Simon just flubbed another one. You know, uh, so as Simon looked at, you know, as he was speaking to Jesus, as he just was thinking that in disgust of how could Jesus do such a thing, and he says, well, how could you do such a thing as speak to someone that unceremoniously broke all protocol in your house? Your dinner that you were about to have. So Simon the Pharisee says, go ahead and speak, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, and it was more so, uh, it was kind of funny because it was more so like a riddle. He says, Jesus said to him, two men took a line of credit from an individual financier. And Jesus says, you know, which one of these, you know, guys would be grateful if their debt was forgiven? And, you know, Simon, you know, as I said in the scripture, Simon, you know, would just get, gave him a little smirk and, you know, and he was just like, okay, well, here we go. And he says, well, the one that, you know, seems to be most, uh, you know, have, you know, only the most will be the one most gracious. And Jesus says, Simon, when I came in, you gave me the water to cleanse my feet. But this woman has washed my feet with her dignity. Simon, when I came, you denied me the common courtesy of a kiss and greeting. But this woman would, has just stopped at my feet, kissing my feet. Simon, you did not common olive oil to freshen my head, but this woman has poured out all she has in my feet. Truly, Simon, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Do you see the result? The one who has been forgiven little has shown little love. Then he turned to this woman and with eyes that did see her, and with all she had ever been and all that she would be. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Go into peace. That is separate Simon. They're broken to chaos. In wholeness and completeness, the unnamed woman went out, having spoke vials without saying a single word. At the time, the Pharisees were proclaiming their unbelief, asking the question, who does this man think he is claiming to forgive sin. After all, they had the audacity to just ask that question. The Pharisees were so curious over forgiving of this woman's great debt of sin that they thought that they just was blinded by the fact that they neglected the fact that they had to have a debt which they were unable to pay. They refused to recognize that no amount of good behavior could erase the effects of bad behavior. That despite their adherence to the law and that their so-called good moral lives, that they doom themselves without forgiveness. Had Simon and his friends been more good judges of characters, they too, like the unnamed woman, might have asked for forgiveness and they too would have entered into peace. The pride had blinded their eyes. So overall, you know, we must understand that pride has to be brushed aside because once we become we become blinded by pride, we become 
our sight becomes blinded and we totally lose our purpose. And one of the, the names that the Indians used to give the devil was sight blinders. And this is one of the great things that he does when he puts a veil over our eyes. He makes sure that no matter how in-depth, no matter how far, you know, our creator tries to create that, close that chasm that we have. And as you see, as I, as I started going on about the woman, the great chasm increased greatly. When there's not only Simon the Pharisees, but the other Pharisees failed to realize the only one they looked at, they looked at the failure of Simon the Pharisees. They didn't look at themselves as a failure of the Pharisees as a whole. Still continue. But these are the same Pharisees that were catered to publicans. And, you know, uh, that will be another story as far as, you know, um, from what I've I've deemed what publicans are. It's, um, I'll basically put it, as lovers of men. You know, when they associate themselves with them, they, you know, for their own benefits, they made sure that that was overlooked. But then when they seen someone else do some other what they said, what they would call great sin, they had no, they had no forgiveness for that. But there's one thing that Jesus let them see, well, not only just them, but the observers that saw everything, that one sin is not, is not greater than the other. Unless you seek forgiveness and ask forgiveness, if you ask, for, if you ask not for forgiveness, you don't know if you will ever fulfill forgiveness if you ever fulfill the satisfaction of being forgiven. Not for forgiveness. There's no way of you knowing that if you will be forgiven. So you can go ahead and be blindsided by the things of the world. You can be blindsided by the things. You know, um, You know, there, there's a thing called, you know, having angels around you. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when, when it's said and done, your box could close. Do you want the devil in your box or do you want the angels hanging above? You know, that's the thing that, you know, that's a choice that you have to make. You want to let sight blinder continue to blind your sight, then you will continue to wear the rose-colored glasses. Um, you know, uh, right now we're at the end of the broadcast. You know, I thank you so much for, for joining me tonight and allowing me to, um, you know, talk to you this evening. Um, I thank you so much. I love what I'm doing. Uh, so everybody, you know, when you get a chance, love one another. Make sure you love yourself. Uh, until next time, you know, another two weeks. You know, God bless. You know, uh, see you then. Thank you so much. Good night and good evening. Jesus bless. He raised me. I will not lose. He saved me. I will not lose. I will not lose. Step a one to pin you down. I will not lose. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.